Let's roll, man. Let's roll. All right. Good afternoon, guys. Uh, my name is Nick Papa, and I'm joined by Jeff Skull Miller, Tommy Probst, and Pablo Pas Pasalacqua from the Harrisburg Bureau of Fire. And we're here to have a, a real casual kitchen table style conversation to discuss uh, some fire footage from a recent fire that they had, uh, which was, in my opinion, one of the finest examples of coordinated fire attack that I've seen captured on video. Uh, and this is something that's not uncommon for, for Harrisburg. Uh, if anybody has been following uh, their social media pages or uh, Chief Bastinelli's page, they post a lot of GoPro videos and helmet cam videos that, that are tremendously valuable for, uh, for us in the fire service to observe and watch and have these type of conversations. So after uh, I posted the video up on social media, uh, I had the idea to, once I had the opportunity to, to find out who was actually in the video, uh, I reached out to the, these guys and they were gracious enough to agree to come on and actually discuss the, what, what took place in the video. A lot of times when we see fire ground footage, we just, it's one moment in time from one angle and we don't have the specifics. So what a, a great opportunity to be able to sit down and talk shop with the guys that were actually there that did the actions that we saw in the video. And so we could all benefit from it because all too often these videos, the conversations that happen in the comments feed can go sideways really quick. So let's uh, keep it really positive and have everyone walk away with some, some good nuggets and some takeaways so we could all learn from it. So what I want to do is just start out, have each one of you introduce yourselves, and then you know somebody step up and just give a little background on the city of Harrisburg and uh, the Harrisburg Bureau of Fire. All right. Well, uh, I'll go first since I'm the big mouth here of the group. Uh, my name is Jeff Miller. Uh, I'm a lieutenant with the Harrisburg Bureau of Fire. Oh my! I think I have 22 years on the job right now. I'm over 40 years total in the fire service, both. Uh, suburban, urban, and military. So I've been doing this for a while now. So uh, I'll just give you guys a quick background on the city of Harrisburg. Uh, basic uh, Northeast city, uh, fell on uh, bad times like most of the cities here throughout the Northeast. Uh, we're a very small city. At one time we had a population, I think it peaked probably around 100,000. And like most, most cities here, uh, you know, throughout the years with the uh, uh, suburban um, sprawl, you know, everybody left the city for the suburbs after World War II uh, and came along the uh, late 60s with the uh, civil rights riots that uh, every city pretty much took a beating during that time. Uh, that was another big uh, exodus of uh, city residents. And then unfortunately, we got hit with back-to-back -back floods uh, devastating floods, one in 1972 and one in 1975. So after those two floods and with what else had, you know, going on throughout that era, um, a lot of people left. So we lost half of the city's population in that time period. So the vacant uh, row homes we had here was just absolutely, uh, it was phenomenal. Uh, whole city blocks left vacant and um, just our fire activity just exploded. It was just like any other place, you know, FDNY, uh, Boston, uh, you know, Detroit had gone through the same things, but uh, we just had it on a smaller version here. And um, uh, being such a small department as it was, uh, we saw just an extreme amount of fire duty. So it was, a, it was a great place to be a fireman. 
Uh, and this is well before social media. So it was kind of like a uh, one of the best kept secrets around. You know, you get to work in Harrisburg, you could go to work every night. Uh, I know I was fortunate to, this is a combination department, and I was fortunate to uh, become a volunteer here in 1983. And we were still seeing a good bit of fire duty back then. And I'd come up and ride on the weekends. Basically did the same thing the career guys do, just, you know, put my gear on a rig and fight fire. But it was not uh, uncommon during those time periods. Uh, serial arsonists, uh, they catch, you know, two or three fires on a Friday or Saturday night. We would start burning as soon as the sun went down when the serial arsonists would, uh, you know, work under the cover of darkness and we'd burn until the sun came up. So a uh, ton of fire, good place to fight fire, no safety police. There's no rehab here. <laughs> so you basically you go in, you put the fire out until the fire's out. Nobody else is coming to you know help you. So it's a cool place to work. If you like that, if you like to work, it's a great place to work. So Absolutely. that's kind of the story on Harrisburg. Uh, uh, modern day, uh, we've shrunk. I believe we're down to three active fire stations now from a, a high of 14 fire stations, uh, two big stations and one small station with houses a squad company, which is the busiest in the city. Uh, they're, they're citywide. So we're basically down to uh, three engine companies uh, and two aerial devices. One's a aerial scope, tower ladder, no, oh, excuse me, and one's a uh, tiller device. So that's basically uh, it for apparatus. Staffing here is three on everything. Uh, winter time right now, we're running a little heavy since there's no uh, vacations. Uh, so basically, uh, that's Harrisburg in a nutshell, so. All right, right on. Yeah. So what I wanna do now is just discuss the fire. So what, what did it come in as and what did you guys have on arrival? Uh, who wants to go? Somebody else get up there. <laughs> go ahead, Tommy. <laughs> Uh, the fire for us was just after, just after our evening shift change, so like 1600. Uh, I believe it came in as reported smoke from a building, 1700 block, or sorry, the 17th Street, 100 block of 17th Street, which is about a block away from the firehouse. Um, the captain, which was acting BC at the time, arrived with uh, pretty much light wispy smoke coming from the third floor which is, I mean, it's a block away, so we all arrived pretty much at the same time. Uh, it's pretty much what we had the same. Uh, we'll shift over to Pablo, and I want to get his take on what he saw, what he heard, and uh, why you did what you did. Uh, so basically, usually our engine guys are pretty good at getting the hose line in place right away, right to the seat of the fire. So as I'm coming up, I'm not hearing any water flowing. I'm not seeing the smoke change at all. So I figured, you know, a lot of these row homes are cut up pretty bad. So I was like, maybe they're having trouble uh, finding the fire. So I checked with the low and I was like, I was like, you want me to take these windows to maybe lift it up, give you guys a little bit better visibility. And I think I might have even asked him twice just to be 100% sure that they wanted me to take those windows. And he was like, yep, take the windows. And you can see in just a matter of seconds, it left, that fire shows itself. And these guys get a knock on it within seconds so so in talking with the, the guys from wagon four what were they experiencing for con, uh, conditions on the inside prior to the vent being taken i'll, gra I'll grab that um, yeah I, I was loo for that day i was off the tower ladder doing searches and trying to find to see the fire tommy was riding with me it was just it was actually a strange uh, day uh it was filled with three different platoons over time and I can't remember even which month that was, but it, it was kind of odd because 
they had uh, A, B, and C platoons working for that. So that always kind of a little sketchy too, because you don't know how the other guys work on the platoons. Uh, so that being said, uh, me and Tommy bailed off the tower ladder real quick. Um, let's you know, do our searches, uh, find the seat of the fire. Uh, conditions, quite obviously, uh, city row homes are pretty cut and dry on construction most of the time. So there was zero conditions on the first, second. Uh, we got up to the third deck, made it up to the steps and uh, had, I wouldn't call it, probably moderate to heavy smoke on the third floor. And being an old head, as I am, uh, I didn't bring the thermal imaging camera. So, you know, I've been doing this for 40 years and I still make mistakes. Just throw that out there for all the, all the guys that are perfect. So uh, I get up there, I'm doing my searches, old school style, and uh, couldn't find the seat of the fire. Uh, and most of our third floors on Harrisburg City Row Homes are so easy, they're so small. They usually get up top of the steps, there it is, put the fire out, we go home. Uh, this was not the case, it was cut up a little bit. So. Um, I heard Pablo uh, call out, you know, to me, said, hey, you know, you want these windows vented. And that point in time, uh, yeah, it was the right decision to make. Uh, the, the pipe man had come up um, up the steps off the wagon four uh, line was charged. And uh, like I said, once he popped those windows, uh, oh, yep, there it is. Uh, so we had great visibility and, and it did what uh, it's supposed to do. Uh, I, I just don't understand the argument uh, nowadays of not venting, you know, proper venting, because uh, conditions, you know, lifted immediately. We found the seat of the fire. Visibility uh, uh, changed dramatically. You know, we, we pushed in room and contents fire, easy, you know, easy stuff, uh, hooked the ceilings and we were out of there. Uh, and just for anybody that would have been in that uh, environment, as soon as those windows were open, you know, anybody's laying on a deck, you know, trying to survive. Uh, that's a game changer for them. So, like I said, I, you know, being an old school guy, I'm just, I'm having a hard time, you know, wrapping my thoughts around, uh, you know, not venting. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I just don't see where somebody is changing the laws of physics. You know? <laughs> to me, it's just, I don't get it. You know, it, it just needs to be done. And, and, I, and I'm not mocking anybody that's out there trying to, you know, learn new things and UL's doing some outstanding stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, until somebody comes along and changes the laws of physics, you know, we're going to continue to we're going to take windows appropriately and we're going to go topside and we're going to pop the roof. You know, it works for us. So years and years of burning these vacant row houses. We get up. We, we do that all the time. We get on the roof. We're, we're a heavy truck oriented department. You know, we're cutting roofs. Uh, especially with those row homes, if you don't get that fire uh, vented on that roof, man, it's gone. It's gone left and right. You can literally, we've, we've, we've seen it. Uh, you'll burn a whole row down. So, but yeah, we still abide by it. Uh, and I still think it's, it's good, solid uh, truck work. So. And I think the most important, important point that you hit on was that the charged line was in position and you knew that the, the typical layout of those row frames. So you had all those, uh, those things in line before those windows got taken. And that's where that coordination piece comes in because as soon as it lifts and leans out, and I think the problem with so, so many of these videos and a lot of the, the criticism and, and, and people, you know, being negative about even in my eyes, what, what it's a textbook example of coordinated ventilation uh, is they see the fire start to light up and they 
kind of equate that to, to bad. But what they don't realize is like, yeah, the fire, the fire did start to, to light up and, and grow a little bit. But what they didn't see was how conditions leaned out and lifted on the inside and how it got better for you guys that were operating down at the floor level. And more importantly, if any victims, as you said, had been down there, it's a game changer. And that's what we're, what we're trying to do is not only are we trying to, to assist the engine company that's trying to make the push and, you know, you guys that are trying to search for any viable victims, you know, that's going to allow you to do that job that much, that much faster. And if we can move faster and achieve knockdown and, and or locate victims faster, that then we're going to have better outcomes. And that's the whole name of the game. So that's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's correct. Uh, like I said, I think we talked a little bit before um, we're still a big vent enter search department, not to kind of, kind of change that subject a little bit, but uh, we just posted a video just recently. I think it was last week. The Alpha Platoon had a pretty good fire. They had five uh, fire and five row homes. Uh, truckman comes off the tower ladder, bangs a 16-footer to the uh, front porch, uh, blows the window in, gives it a chance to breathe a little bit, and dives in the window and does a search. But we were getting beat up on social media, like guys that just couldn't believe that that guy went in that kind of conditions. Like, dude, we're firemen. That's what we do. Um, if you know, people go, well, you know, you're changing the flow. We understand that. We definitely understand that. We're not idiots. But you still got to get in there. You got to you got to do your vent enter search, get that window open, get your search done. Or, or first of all, you got to isolate it. Get that door shut to that bedroom. Get your search done, and then get out. But you know, we get the we get the flow path thing. You know, we get all of that. But it's just amazing the the negativity on just trying to do your job. I mean, you know, we're there to save people's people's lives. That's what it comes down to. I mean. Uh, I, I just find it hard to believe that firemen or so-called firemen could not just comprehend why we're going in these buildings like we are. It's just, you know, it's what we do. We're there for them. So I don't get it. I don't get it. But. Uh, so that uh, leads me into my next question and I'll, I'll shoot this uh, back over to Pablo. Now, do you guys typically do that direct radio communication where you, if you're in that outside vent position, uh, will you uh, commonly directly call the either the the wagon officer or the uh, the tower officer, or will you kind of just base things off of you know the the progress of the engine company or you, you know you, somebody had mentioned earlier that you, know, you guys kind of know how fast each other moves and and how things are kind of progressing along. Yeah, it's, I'd say it's probably 50-50, Like as being an outside vendor, you, you got to read the conditions and you can see a lot more of the fire than what the guys inside maybe are missing. But on the other hand too, like, I'm not gonna take windows or cut a roof unless I know where these guys are, where they're operating and check with an officer, either a squad boss or the truck lieutenant and see like what, what they have and if they want, if conditions warrant venting, you know? So if, uh, if you don't have that, that direct one-on-one -on -one communication over the radio, uh, what are, or also what are some of the other you know, signs that you you look for to see that if it's, it's getting ready for uh, time to vent, you know, that anything that you hear that you see, what are you looking for? Uh, so last week, like the uh, Lou was talking about that, uh, the five row homes we had off, like I didn't have a lot of direct conversations with the officers interior because they had their hands full. So just, me reading the smoke conditions from the outside, I knew I needed to get to that roof and crack that roof because with balloon construction, it, it was running those walls right up to the roof line. And there was, you know, a ton of fire on the seaside, a ton of fire on the first floor, but two and three, 
because it was in the walls going to the roof, you know, I, I had to kind of make my own decision to be like, well, it's not getting any better for these guys. And this is some snotty smoke coming from the, the roof. Nick, just to add uh, on to what Paulo had just said, uh, not all row homes are created equal. Uh, you know, East Coast is still a row home place. Uh, they have them in Brooklyn, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Harrisburg, York, Lancaster, Reading, uh, Camden, New Jersey. We all know Camden. They do such a great job. Baltimore City. We're all big fans of Baltimore, Baltimore City. They're burning nonstop. But not all of those are, are built the same. Uh, we have fire walls and fire stops, but that's not always a given. We could we could literally have 16, 17 houses going with before you have a fire stop or a firewall, where some cities, you know, depending on their row home construction can have them in every building or every other. So uh, this, this is a challenging city to work in. Um, so like I said, that's not always a given. We're not doing solid truck operations. We can lose a whole row. So now uh, to kind of combat that lateral fire extension in the, those common cock lofts that you have, you know, how do you uh, determine where, uh, where to start your, your roof cuts? You know, what are some of the things that you look for, you know, when you're sizing up and trying to place your, your first cuts? You want to hit that, Tommy? Okay. Yeah, Bobby, got that thing. Uh, so usually with uh, typical row homes, you want to make that the roof cut over the stairwell. So usually it's, it's on the, the middle wall there. You kind of have a, a, a good idea once you get on a flat roof you, you you can kind of read the roof and you know where the stairwell is but that's usually if we're going right to the roof that's the first cut we're doing is right over that stairwell on either the second or the third floor gotcha tommy anything else you want to add on that no he's pretty much got it i mean that's pretty much the way we operate anytime that we have one of these rows is that's the first place we go because that's where you're going to get the most relief for the guys inside because you just have more common space there. Um, typically, after we make that cut, if we need to, if, let's say if it's a top floor fire, we will go to the room directly over the fire. We'll make another pop if we need to, if we're not getting enough, or if we don't feel like we're getting enough out of the first hole. Um, but like you said, we typically move pretty fast. So by the time you get that first hole, usually things are settling down inside to where you don't need a second one. Gotcha. Now with the with your row homes, is it typical to have any natural openings like skylights or scuttles over the the, the interior staircase? It, it's it's not overly common. We see it sometimes, but usually, if there were ever any there, they're usually uh, tarred over, so you don't really. If anything, you're watching where you're stepping, so you're not falling through one. But uh, now, usually, we don't have a whole lot of that. Gotcha. All right. Uh, so. Just to uh, go back to Pablo, when you were doing the uh, the, the window venting, uh, what was kind of your your process of you know where you started to vent and kind of the pace that you were venting the windows and you know what was what was your thought process in doing that? Because you were if you watch the video, you're very deliberate in in your actions with you know the the speed at which you, you took the windows and you know the taking the top versus the bottom first. And can you just walk us through you know what? what you're doing yeah. uh so if we're if we're riding heavy on the truck usually we'll have two guys in the bucket for ov but that day we only had three so that which is typical in the city so you, it leaves you one guy in the bucket so you kind of you got to manipulate the bucket and vent on and then go back and move the bucket and then go back and vent and then go back and move the bucket so basically just uh i was trying to work on the uh, the downwind side i mean upwind side i'm sorry and uh just the way it worked out was 
the when I boomed up, I took that left window and then I took that big middle window and then the last window where the air conditioner was like, I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of pushing those in. I know a lot of people say you're gonna push on a victim, but I've seen dudes videos all over the internet of air conditioners falling on firemen or pedestrians. And so, you know, that two or three foot fall into the windowsill is better off than it falling three stories under the street. So basically I wanted to clear those windows as fast as I could. And then as soon as it lifted, I was, I'm getting back in the bucket and I'm moving out of the way because I don't want to get blasted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that, uh, that was picked up on immediately was just as, as soon as it, it started to, uh, to light up, you know, you immediately started moving the bucket away because you know, a second later, the, the fire started to go away and you hear the line start to work. And as soon as you turn your back, as you're moving the bucket, you see the stream start to, to shoot yeah. out of the windows. It was, it was really a, a thing of beauty to watch. So, uh, so kind of the way I want to wrap this up is the, the, the whole idea behind this was to have the, the kitchen, uh, kitchen table style conversations that, you know, most of us get the, uh, the greatest amount of value out of. So, you know, after a good fire, whether it's immediately after, or it's, you know, having coffee the next morning or that change of shift when the, the next crew's coming in, uh, if, if you had a, a new firefighter or even just, you know, somebody who was on the incoming shift that was asking about the fire, you know, what would be some of the big takeaways that you'd want to pass along to, uh, to that new firefighter, to those uh, incoming crews? You know, what were some of the big nuggets that you want them to, to, to really take out of that fire? Good, Bob. You're, you're already up there. Good. <laughs> and Tommy, you can go there. Uh, I'd say the biggest thing is like, uh, you know, it wasn't any, crazy fire just a, a room and contents you know pretty bread and butter for us here but like i mean the the coordinated ventilation with the engine crew is the biggest thing because there's tons of videos online of dudes running around smashing windows and the whole place lights up so i mean it's you just gotta it took me five seconds to ask the lou like yo you want me to take these windows and he's like yeah and that was it you know and from a uh, room and contents to maybe you know it could have started to run the row if we didn't get a knock on it early so it, it doesn't take long to just do clear, concise radio traffic, talk to the officer interior. And, you know, I think it went really well. You know, we work pretty good here in the city. Yeah, I'd agree. What about you, Tommy? Uh, for me, uh, I mean, I basically was a new guy at this fire. I think I had maybe two years at the time. Um, so for me, it was a learning experience for me to turn around and look back and see exactly what Pablo did, why he did it. Because at this point, the way our the way Harrisburg works is our job goes in a progression. So you don't become a driver operator until year three. So at this point, I wasn't a driver operator yet, but it was great for me to see what Pablo did and what it did for us on the inside. And being part of the search crew, um, definitely how fast we move here in Harrisburg, uh, especially when it comes to row homes, the speed in which uh, we get truck guys in searching, the speed in which we get engine guys in on the line. Um, and I mean, like most cities are complaining about these days, short staffing, just seeing how much we can do with, a, you know, three on each piece. This fire was handled with one engine and one truck, basically. So just seeing the way we operate, like I said, I was basically a new guy. So seeing that definitely helped me, uh, definitely helped push me to see, you know, where I fit in here. So I would basically just push those same lessons on to a new guy. Excellent. Skull, you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I sure do. And I'm not going to really get into tactics as much as I am uh, about firemanship. Um, 
like I said, uh, and you even mentioned on it, we do a, a fairly decent job of social media here. And I've posted a ton of, of fire helmet uh, footage over the years. And I just want to throw this out. Like I said before, I'm a 40 plus year veteran of the fire service and I've been in just hundreds upon hundreds of fires now. And I'm getting ready to retire here very shortly. And uh, one thing I, I want everybody to keep in mind, no matter how long you've been doing this, whether you've been a 40 year member, 30 year, or just a new guy, uh, you can do this job a million times and you can still get hurt. You can still get killed and you're still gonna make mistakes. Uh, I, I make mistakes probably every fire I go to. Uh, and that's a fact. Anybody that says something different, they're full of shit. Excuse my language. But uh, yeah, and, and the social media thing, I love it. Um, it. It's just a good way to 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 see a lot of things, how different people throughout the uh, country operate. But the upsetting part is, is the uh, negativity all the time. And I, and I tell firemen all the time, I said, guys, you know, look at a video, learn from it. You may see something that we had posted in Harrisburg, like, okay, that's stupid, that's dangerous, that's not how we're going to do things. And that's fine. I have, you know, no problem with that. But, you, but, you know, don't beat somebody up. You're just, it's just not the right thing to do as a fireman. Um, you know, let, take those lessons that you've seen and, uh, you know, try to learn from them. You know, if you can uh, get better by that, you know, by all means, that's a great day. But uh, the social media beatdowns that we're seeing constantly, that's got to go away. It, it probably never will. Social media is here to last for a long, long time. But um, yeah, take a look at stuff that's going on through different parts of the country. So you, you, you can learn a lot from from watching some of this stuff. And uh, some stuff's good. Some stuff may not be, you know, that great. But uh, don't go out and bash somebody. There's people bashing some, you know, poor local volunteer fire department that might go on two or three fires a year. There's no need for that. This guy's trying to do the best they can. You know, the the biggest fire department in the world still screws up every day, guys. It's just a fact. The small ones do, the big ones do. You know, it, it's just the way it is. Uh, but anyhow, yeah, the the fire service needs uh, a lot more love and a and a lot less hate. That's how I like to wrap that up. Thanks, Nick. That's a perfect way to end this out. And I think social media, when when used for, for good good intent, it can be so positive. I mean, it, it brought the three of us together, even though we're a, a few states apart, and be able to have this conversation and then be able to broadcast it out to the, the rest of the American Fire Service is pretty amazing. So now it's not just the other Harrisburg firefighters getting to, to you know, learn from you guys at the kitchen table. Now we, we just took that same style of conversation and now everyone can benefit from it. So I really appreciate you guys uh, you know, coming on board with this and, and doing it really on, on a whim. Uh, I hope everyone gets, uh, gets the same value that I got out of it. And I, I really hope this is a, a motivator for anybody that, that hasn't been aware of what Harrisburg's been doing or, or how they operate. It's really a piece of motivation for, for those of us that are, that are shorter staffed because you know, Harrisburg has all the, the, the big city, you know, ghetto urban problems and they do it with a fraction of the staffing. So you, know, you look at what having a, a, a positive mission oriented culture, guys that are, are into the job, that understand their purpose, that are well-trained and you look at when all that comes together and you can see it in all the videos that are posted from you guys, the, the high operational tempo, just the 
level of yeah. level of competency and proficiency is just in the forefront of everything that you guys post. So, uh, you know, I, I can speak for myself that, that I appreciate the, the things that you guys are doing and sharing with the rest of the fire service and, you know, uh, look forward to, to cross crossing paths with you guys again. And, you know, again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Ned. Yeah, thank have you. A, have a good night. You too. Have a safe tour, fellas. Yeah, sure. Will. thanks. Bye-bye.